That's I, correct. I, 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 I. <laughs> you made it. You did that in a way that made it look like you had to sneeze. I was waiting for you to sneeze. I am a sing sneezer. Not a <laughs> yeah. scream sneezer, but a sing sneezer. Yeah. I too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that was beautiful. Thank you. All I want for Christmas, I chew. <laughs> Are you a good witch or a bad bitch? Bad bitch, bad bitch. I've been a rebel all my life. We will not remain hidden figures. We have names. Welcome to a podcast that you're listening to. Hi, my name is Deanna, and that's your co-host, Hannah. Say hi. Hi. This podcast is Good <laughs> Witches, Bad Bitches, and we are here to teach you about ladies and history and sometimes together. Take a breath. Good job. Well done. You are indeed listening to Good Witches, Bad Bitches. If you didn't get that in that crazy, <laughs> like, breathless run of words. I just wanted to get it out of the way quickly. You did great. And we're here now. So now we can talk about things. That was a long exhale. I don't know if it was caught on mic, but I exhaled for a very long time. I'm sure they'll hear it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, before we get into some stuff today, take your sweater off. I gotta remove my clothing, and um, this is the naked recording. Uh, yep, we're all naked. It's a special one. You'll never know, but it is. Um, so I got I got some interesting people today. I would hope so. And uh, people plural. People plural. Oh, yep. Although I will say it was interesting <laughs> Not because... Not unheard of on this podcast. Yeah. And I didn't... I, I was originally only going to do one of them. And then as I was researching her, it became clear that the other one was sort of entwined. Ooh. And so I started... I, I looked her up. And what's interesting is they're both famous, but they end up being talked about separately, even though their stories are integral to one another. Oh. So I you know, decided to combine them Integral, and talk about them. That's a good word. Thank you. But to to start, I thought I would read you a little article, or at least a few a few paragraphs from an article that I found from Smithsonian Mag. Sweet. That feels relevant. Also, um, there's been some uh, senatorial races recently that bring this all back into the spotlight a little bit. This article is called... The Costs of the Confederacy. Oh, boy. Sorry. <sighs> but I just think it's interesting because I didn't really think about this. Um, but uh, it goes, With centuries-old trees, manicured lawns, a tidy cemetery, and a babbling brook, the Jefferson Davis Home and Presidential Library is a marvelously peaceful green oasis amid the garish casinos, t-shirt shops, and other tourist traps on Highway 90 in Biloxi, Mississippi. I love how they call it the Presidential Library. The man was never a president He was of a the Confederate US. president. Um... One gray October morning, about 650 local school children on a field trip to Beauvoir, as the home is called, poured out of buses in the parking lot. A few ran to the yard in front of the main building to explore the sprawling live oak whose lower limbs reach across the lawn like massive arms. 
In the gift shop, they perused Confederate memorabilia. Jesus. Mugs, shirts, caps, and sundry items, many emblazoned with the battle flag of the Army of Northern Virginia. It was a big annual event called Fall Muster, so the field behind the library was teeming with reenactors cast as Confederate soldiers, <coughs> settlers, and camp followers. A group of fourth graders from Deberville. Sure. A quarter of them black, crowded around a, he- a table heaped with 19th century military gear, binoculars, satchels, bayonets, rifles, etc. A portly man, sweating profusely in his Confederate uniform, loaded a musket and fired to ooze and ahs. Um, let's see. A woman in a white floor-length dress, decorated with purple flowers, gathered a group of older tourists on the porch of the library cottage where Davis, by then a living symbol of defiance, retreated in 1877 to write his memoir, The Rise and Fall of the Confederate Government. Uh Uh-huh. After a discussion of the window treatments, um, the other visitors left, and we asked the guide what she could tell us about slavery. Sometimes children ask about it, she said. I want to tell them the honest truth, that slavery was both good and bad. Uh, what? Uh-huh. While is, there she, were... is she still acting, or? No, that she's, uh, she's an actor that they are talking to as a person about her job, basically. And they've asked her what, what she can tell them about slavery. Okay. She says, sometimes children ask about it. I want to tell them the honest truth that slavery was good and bad. While there were some uh, hateful slave owners, it was good for the people that didn't know how to take care of themselves. And they needed a job. And you had good slave owners like Jefferson Davis, who took care of his slaves and treated them like family. He loved them. Do you see my face? <laughs> <laughs> Uh huh. The subject resurfaced the next day before a mock battle when Jefferson Davis, a reenactor named J.W. Binion, addressed the crowd. We were all Americans and we fought a war that could have been prevented. And it wasn't fought over slavery, by the way. Yes, it was. <laughs> it's, I mean, definitively about slavery. Um, but it's so it's interesting. The article goes on to talk about, you know, their trip to um these states where the Confederacy was prominent and like how people view slavery and how people view the Confederacy. And um, they say, uh, we went to Beauvoir, the nation's grandest Confederate shrine, um, and mm-hmm. to similar sites across the Old South um, uh, in the midst of the great debate raging in America over public monuments to the Confederate past. That controversy has erupted angrily, sometimes violently, in Virginia, North Carolina, Louisiana, and Texas. Sure. Um, To address this explosive issue in a new way, we spent months investigating the history and financing of Confederate monuments and sites. Yeah, what, yeah. Our findings directly contradict the most common justifications for continuing to preserve and sustain these memorials. First, far from being simply markers of historic events and people, as the proponents argue, these memorials were created and funded by Jim Crow governments to pay homage to a slave-owning society and to serve as blunt assertions of dominance over African Americans. And we know Jim Crow came after the Civil War. Right. So, second, contrary to the claim that today's objections to the monuments are merely the product of contemporary political correctness, they were actively opposed at the time. Of course they were. Yeah, often by African Americans, duh, as instruments of white power. 
Finally, Confederate monuments aren't just heirlooms, the artifacts of a bygone era. Instead, American taxpayers are still investing heavily in these tributes today. We found that over the past 10 years, taxpayer money of at least $40 million has gone to the upkeep of Confederate monuments, statues, homes, parks, museums, libraries, and cemeteries. Oh, my Lord. And to Confederate heritage organizations. For our investigation, the most extensive public, the most extensive effort to capture the scope of public spending on Confederate memorials and organizations, we submitted 175 open records requests to the states of the former Confederacy, plus Missouri and Kentucky, and to federal, county, and municipal authorities. Um, blah, 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 blah. They visited dozens of sites um, to document how those monuments represent history and slavery in particular. Um, and I mean, it just goes on and on. But basically, their finding is that we are still paying heavily to maintain Confederate monuments and organizations. Well, yeah, and that was <clears throat> one of the most horrifying things for me to learn was that, you know, they they purport that it's about respecting history or what have you, but the majority of Confederate monuments went up during the Civil Rights era. Yep. Yep. Which is pretty damning. Years later, yeah. Yeah. When, when you know, African Americans were fighting for the, to be treated as human beings with equal rights in this country, and then, you know, southern white people were like let's put up monuments to when people were slaves yep (laughs) yep well and we've never addressed that history the way that like the way the germans address their nazi history right and they address it in a way that makes it so that like ideally it doesn't come back right and we've never done that we've always idealized it hashtag heritage not hate like okay but that heritage is based on hate so yeah we should be learning from the heritage and talking about why it's bad not i not making it into a great thing that we want to make a monument to right and i mean like that's when i when i learned from ancestry.com that the the small thread of my family line that's been in this country for centuries uh, fought in the Civil War, and I learned they were they fought for the Confederacy because they lived in Tennessee at the time. Oh man! I was like, huh? But it's not <laughs> like I then go like, oh shit! Like I come from identity like, crisis. I, yeah, no, of course. I mean, duh. Yeah. If they lived in ten, like duh. Yeah. <laughs> I like, mean, yeah. Re- respect that I'm alive because they were alive, but like, come on. Yep. <laughs> it's a, it's yeah, it's a lot. I I don't know. Obviously, this this subject is nuanced. There's a lot going on. Surely. Still, there's tons going on. But I kind of wanted to um, dive into that just a little bit um, because the people I'm going to talk about are um, from that era. Oh. What's up, witches? We have some really exciting news. We have just launched our Patreon. Yay! Woohoo! Something we've been trying to do for a while. Yes. And we've finally gotten there. Yes. And if you are not familiar with Patreon, it is basically a platform that helps content creators like us, like us make a little bit of money to help with costs associated with creating that content. Right. You can find us at patreon.com slash GWBB podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll have the link in our show notes. Yes. 
At the moment, we have a very basic tiered system. You get to be a patron of this show and you can opt in to whether or not you want to be a good witch patron or a bad bitch patron. It's the same if you do a minimum donation of $3 or more per month. And uh, the first 10 people of each will get a free pin. Corresponding. Corresponding to whichever option you chose. Hell yeah. And you'll get a shout out on the podcast Hell as yeah. a good witch or a bad bitch, yep. whichever one you choose to be. Which is pretty fucking rad. Yeah, we're pretty excited about that. And we really appreciate all of the support that you guys have given us thus far and that you'll continue to give us, hopefully, fingers crossed. And we look forward to seeing you in our Patreosphere. Hell yeah. Matriosphere on Patreon. <laughs> yeah. Let's go with it. Cool. Cool. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. We love you. And um, on that note, let's dive right in. On that note, I think we should just dive right in. Let's do it. I'm ready. So, I'm ready. Today, I'm going to tell you about two women, Elizabeth Van Loo and Mary Elizabeth Bowser. AmySmartGirls.com had a really good article about the both of them, Okay, which was like, I didn't. I barely found any that talked about both of them in in depth, um, and that was written by Whitney Malam. And then Time dot com had a good one, uh, and then Ohio University, okay, State University had a really good article. So OSU, OSU. So uh, that's in there as well, and I think that's it. Yeah. So. Um, <coughs> I'm going to start with this little little introductory paragraph. Let's go. So, Mary Elizabeth Bowser went by many different aliases in her time as one of the most daring spies of the Civil War. Ooh. Born a slave to the Van Loo family in Virginia, Mary was freed and went on to work for an intricate union spy ring run by the same Elizabeth Van Loo, who succeeded in planting Mary undercover in the Confederate White House of President Jefferson Davis. Confederate President Jefferson Davis. Yeah, man. These ladies were daring. Like, so, so daring and so amazing. Yeah. So, um, I'll, I'll kind of weave back and forth, but Elizabeth Van Lu was born into a Union-sympathizing family in Virginia, which was kind of unheard of mm. at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, they were originally from Pennsylvania, I think, but then they they settled in Virginia and they owned slaves despite their sympathies. Wait, you said they were from Pennsylvania? Mm-hmm. Well, then that... Originally. Ki- that kind of makes sense, though, because there's a lot of Quakers in Pennsylvania, and Quakers were, like, one of the few groups at the time... Yeah. ...who were very, very opposed to slavery. Yeah. Like, groups of white people. Well, she was sent to a Quaker school in Pennsylvania as a kid, mm-hmm. and when she came back to Virginia, she was a newly minted abolitionist. Mm-hmm. And um, so when her dad died in 1843, she convinced her brother, to whom the estate had been left, to free all their slaves... So she was white. She was white. Yeah. Yep. And so she convinced her brother to flee, free all the slaves, and he did. And that included Mary Bowser. Uh-huh. Um, she was so opposed to slavery, Elizabeth was, that she spent her $10,000, which at the time was a, a lot. lot of money. Um, she spent her $10,000 inheritance on buying and freeing the slaves who were the relatives of her freed slaves. Wow. So she like what cost a lot of money? Yeah, to free a slave, yeah. you had to pay for it. Yep, and in some places it was like you had to prove that they saved your life or something. Well, and she had to buy them first too. Yeah, so 
she did that. Buy them in order to then spend money to free them. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I didn't know this, but thanks to a really fucked up Virginia law that said freed slaves had a year to leave or they could be re-enslaved. Yes. <laughs> yes, that giant eye roll is exactly how you should be feeling about that. Um, because of that, Elizabeth sent Mary to a Quaker school for black students in Pennsylvania. She paid for her to go. Uh. Um, and perhaps because of, you know, the persistent threat of possibly being re-enslaved, Mary left for Africa. She actually went and lived in Liberia, which apparently a lot of former slaves went to Liberia. And and settled there. So there must be quite a few, like, ancestors or people with ancestors who were actually slaves in um, American slaves now in Liberia. Wow. Yeah. I didn't, I just did not realize that. But um, at the time, there was a lot of increasing pressure for former slaves to leave. And that's, that was one place, Liberia was one place where they were really welcomed. So, um, and... Uh, da, da, da. Oh, sorry, I lost my spot. Where am I? Liberia. Liberia. Yeah, I think I, I think I just ended up putting in two paragraphs that kind of say the same thing. But basically, yeah, she went to Liberia because pervasive racism, etc. Um, even free black people in the abolitionist North. But for whatever reason, Bowser did not stay in Africa. She didn't like it from what I could gather. She mm. just was like, this isn't for me. Um, and well, because she, she was born and raised elsewhere. She was born and raised in Virginia and she and she had a good relationship with Elizabeth. Mm. And so she actually ended up returning. She went back to Virginia and she went and lived with Elizabeth. Hmm. Um, yeah. And so obviously Virginia was not going to recognize her freedom. <laughs> and so, uh, so yikes. yeah. So Elizabeth was like, "Okay, well, you'll be my servant, but we'll we'll tell everyone you're my slave, so that you can live here and be, you know, be paid as a servant, but not be arrested." But she was arrested. Who who tattled? I don't know. Fucking snake. Yeah, fucking. And Virginia uh, said that she claimed to be a free person of color. And so they were, you know, they were arresting her. Um, Elizabeth paid her bail, and from that point on, they pretended that Mary was, in fact, her slave and didn't, like, let anybody in on the truth to avoid further suspicion. Which is annoying they had to do it in the first place. But. It's very, very upsetting that they had to do that. But it gave them... Um, it gave them the foundation for what would ultimately become a bigger, like, espionage ring thing that they had going on yeah cool so you know you like your spies i love my spies that was what that was what i looked up i was like what are some cool spies what are some spies i could do and mary bowser was the one who showed up and then elizabeth van lu was somebody who i figured out about as i was researching mary um so once the war started Elizabeth began visiting Libby Prison, where captured Union soldiers were held. And she... Oops. In Virginia? She, in Virginia. And she basically conned her way into becoming a nurse, quote unquote, 
at the prison so that she could visit regularly and she would bring the soldiers food. This is Van Lu? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, Mary yeah. was still, uh, like, yeah, confined. Um, but she brought the soldiers there food and blankets and medicine, but this was also, in a way, how she started spying because she often left the prison with crucial information mm-hmm. for the union, which was the, she had a, uh, she would smuggle it out in hollowed out shoe soles or baskets of eggs. <laughs> uh-huh. And then she'd deliver that, um, that news to union leaders who would bring it up to U- Ulysses S. Grant. Cool. And then soon after that, she like upped her game and she started helping those same imprisoned soldiers escape. And she housed them in a secret room in her own ma- mansion. Ooh. So, yeah, she uh, she was was doing the daring thing. And people were really suspicious of her, obviously, because she was a union sympathizer. They were like, yeah, I think that it was pretty obvious. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> so she, to avoid suspicion, as she started operating her spy ring, she created the persona of a deranged woman who walked around town talking to herself. What? And earned the name Crazy Bet. And because she was insane, uh, according to the people who watched her walk around town talking to herself, no one gave her much notice at all. And it became what? clear, yep, this was the perfect cover for her spy work. Oh, my God. Yep. yep. Genius. It's kind of amazing because she obviously, like, it worked for her. And so the rest of her spies did it, too. I mean, like a sudden influx of, like, crazy people. <laughs> like, where are they all coming from? <laughs> um, but, it, it, you know, it emboldened them. It emboldened her and made her see that, like, if she could do it, then other people could also start gathering information for her and she could get it, you know, to her contacts. I mean, it makes sense because if you think about, like, that episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine where they're like, how do we avoid being noticed in the city and then they become like the Greenpeace like hi do you have a second to talk about it and it's the same thing if you see a person who's just like muttering to themselves and and behaving a certain way you'll be like well okay I'm gonna avert my eyes and I'm gonna go elsewhere yep you and don't want anything to know where that it. person's going nope nope you think that they're off in their own world and you want to stay as far away from that as possible right genius it's, yeah it's so smart Van Lu encouraged a friend to take Mary to events as like a, you know, an attendant. Mm. Um, And eventually Mary, in the role of a slave who had been hired out by her master, was employed full time (coughs) by Jefferson Davis himself. So she got Mary into Jefferson Davis's household. Uh-huh. And Mary... I'm sorry, but that's also really ridiculous because if Elizabeth already has the, the reputation of being a union sympathizer, why would you, hi- quote-unquote, hire out one of her slaves to come work for you? Well, that was why she st- she was, like, you know, loaning out Mary to her friends so that the friends would say, she's Mary's great, like, you know, she's the perfect slave to have in your house. And, oh, my Lord. You know, it's it's like, I don't know. So um, Mary made sure to act t- 
totally dim-witted and simple-minded, even though she was educated, she could read, she could write, she, you know, she had gone to school in Pennsylvania, like, she was smart. Um, but obviously that, she couldn't betray that because that was her, her linchpin with this. Yeah. Um, she was hired as a servant under the name Ellen Bond. So that's where <laughs> some of her aliases come from. <laughs> Isn't that fucking great? Ellen Bond. She was the original Bond. Bond, Ellen Bond. Um, <laughs> the original Bond was a black woman. Yep. <laughs> yep. In the Confederate South. Um, so the extreme racism of the people whose slave she pretended to be basically helped her dish to the Union about all the shit that they were doing. Because they assumed she was too dumb. Yep. To... Exactly. The, it... <laughs> yeah. Davis left, uh, like completely top secret information and documents just lying out on his desk because because he figured she couldn't read them yeah she couldn't read them so why hide them so who cares yeah um so basically mary had gotcha, unparalleled asshole. access yeah she had unparalleled access to top secret information about the confederacy's plans from the president oh boy she was able to eavesdrop on important conversations while serving meals or she could look at important documents while cleaning without her employers thinking anything of it. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mary would meet with Elizabeth disguised as a poor woman or with fellow spy Thomas McNiven, who was working as a baker and was making deliveries to the Davis household um, to relay the critical information she had gathered. Information that would then make its way to... Uh, Union General Ulysses S. Grant and influencing many of his decisions during the war. Um, McNiven described Mary as having a photographic mind. Everything she saw on the president's, the rebel president's desk, she could repeat word for word. So, wow, so not only could she read, she was also, it's not, she wasn't paraphrasing, she had a photographic memory. Mm-hmm. Yep. Back in the early days of photography, her brain worked better than than photograph. Yep. Um, with so much information getting through to the Union, and because Elizabeth was known for having Union sympathies, Elizabeth became the object of much suspicion. <laughs> so much so that her house was searched frequently. However, yeah, nothing... Yeah, bitch, but that ain't where it is. Nothing incriminating was ever found. Yep. She took great care to keep her journal hidden. She even buried it in the backyard. So she wrote it all down, but she just hid her journal so well that they never found it. Nice. Um, once, according to one entry in her journal, she'd heard a band of Confederates were on their way to her home to confiscate her horse. Okay. I don't know why, but I assume maybe it's so that she can't like relay messages. Yeah. Um, she quickly brought the animal inside her home, led it up to the second floor, where she hid him inside one of her secret rooms. What? The animal was totally quiet during the search and was never found. Um, Good horse. <laughs> I know. I just love that. She's so like fucking that must gutsy. Be so hard, like because she, then if the like the horse had made noise, they would have found her secret room. Yes, yes, sure, it would have been blown, and all those soldiers. I mean, it's yeah, it was real ballsy. Um, and when McNiven's cover was blown, Mary uh, ultimately had to disappear from the Davis household before suspicion could fall on her too. Right. So she changed her name once again 
And she found employment as a school teacher and later befriended Harriet Beecher Stowe, who described her as a Juno done in somber marble. (gasps) I know. That's beautiful. Her features uh, regular and expressive, her eyes exceedingly bright and sharp, her form and movements the perfect perfection of grace. Aww. I know. And that's kind of nice because there are no pictures of her. Aww. Yeah. You might find one as you're searching for our Instagram post, but that's actually a different Mary Bowser. Okay. So there are no photos of her, sadly. Um... I'm glad you let me know. Yeah. <laughs> After the war, Elizabeth Van Loo requested that the government destroy all records and evidence about her spy ring in order, pro- in order to protect her agents. Mary's own memoir. The Union government. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mary's own memoir about her espionage efforts during the war was also destroyed. Damn it. Yeah. So today we have very little concrete information about Mary's specific contributions, like what information she is you know, credited with gathering and all of that, um, or the details of her life after. They were deemed essential and extraordinary enough, though, that Mary was inducted into the Military Intelligence Hall of Fame in 1995. Well, all right, Mary. I know. And that's um, the that's the, the Intertwined abridged. story. Mm-hmm. There's so much more. I mean, that's this, this was a short one, but, like, they both did a lot of crazy shit (laughs) during their time as spies and you know doing doing things uh to fuck with the confederacy yeah which and it's wild how how pervasive it still is when you think about my my friend in grad school carrie she went to elementary school or middle school in georgia and uh jefferson davis is taught as one of the u.s presidents Oh my god! And she, because she wasn't, she was uh, initially born in California. I think she was first schooled in California, anyway. And then she went out, and she was like an A plus student, like you know, anal retentive, just like me. And kind of, so when they were like, "What number president is so and so?" and she got the number wrong. And it was because, and she was like, "Wait, what?" And it was because they were including Jefferson Davis, like according to her, like schooling. Like Donald Trump is the forty-sixth president. Jesus Christ! But, but uh, I don't know if that's changed because obviously we haven't been in school in a while. But well, that's true. But they do teach him as one of the U.S. presidents, even though he never was a U.S. president. He certainly is a part of U.S. history. Yep. Yes. <laughs> but I'm sorry, he's not a president of the United States of America. No. Never was. Nope. That's insane. Right. Well, and that. That, like, speaks so deeply to the South's romanticism of that that whole time and, and what happened. Like, I, again, I have to go back to the way the Germans teach their history with the Nazi party mm-hmm. and how they do it in a way that doesn't ever glamorize it so that kids Nor know. Exactly. But that's the thing is, like, we, uh, the South glamorizes that in their schooling and in their education. I mean, why else would you have somebody, a Civil War reenactor saying, the Confederate, the war wasn't about slavery at all. By the way. By the way. That's totally wrong. It's so like, then people leave, including, like, you know, young black children going, oh, well, <laughs> oh. Yeah. Weird. I yeah. thought it was. Or but, like how Trump is like, the Jews aren't the only ones who suffered in the Holocaust. Like, no, but by and large, 
Yeah, lots of people suffered in the Holocaust. Yes, why they, are you? They went after the you know the LGBTQ community. They went out went after the Romani population, like all sorts of stuff. But percentage wise, the greatest percentage of people exterminated at that time were Jewish. You fucking asshole. What is this world we live in? I swear to God, every other day I have this thought where I'm like, we're in the darkest timeline. Like, that's just, that's, I'm pretty sure that that's somewhere, like, in some other dimension, they're living it up. Things are great. But uh, in this dimension, we, we've, we got stuck with the, the shitty timeline. The timeline that, that's living it up is probably the timeline that began with Al Gore, actually. Yes, president. probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our dimension's gonna die out because of climate change, and theirs is gonna just keep on, keep on going. That inconvenient truth ain't so inconvenient for them anymore because they fixed it. Yep. <laughs> uh, can we? Uh, let's dream. What is it? What's what this, the the sliders? Can we sliders into that? Oh my god! Can we sliders into that? <laughs> into that world? Yep. Let's into let's, that timeline. Let's slide into that timeline. Yep. That sounds great. Yep. Well, thanks. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Those are some boss ass ladies. Dude, I just love, I love that they were like, well, no one will pay attention to me if they think I'm a, a dumb woman. <laughs> and I'll be able to gather bajillions of secrets. I mean, I feel like that's the case with so many female spies. Yep. Is that they took advantage of the pervasive uh, misogyny and assumption that women wouldn't retain information or couldn't understand what was being discussed or couldn't read or yep all those things yeah it's It's crazy Mm. and obviously in this case they were like well she is black and a slave and therefore we don't think that she has that kind of intelligence we don't find her to be a threat we don't find her to be a threat and y'all are y'all are dumb they were shown to be dumb as hell (laughs) 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 Um, I got some on this day in history. Yeah, yeah, give it to me. All right. So it is December 12th. 1212. 1212. And speaking of Pennsylvania. Okay. 1787, Pennsylvania becomes the second state to ratify the U.S. Constitution. All right. Yeah. Way to go, Ben Franklin. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the capital uh, was also in in uh, Pennsylvania at the time, right? At the beginning of the, the in yeah. in eighteen hundred, Washington D.C. was established as the capital. But before that, yes, yeah. and that was the fight. They talk about it in Hamilton. Yep. It was like a they wanted to make New York the capital. Yep, I'm glad it's not. <laughs> yeah, it has enough problems. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, eighteen seventy, uh, Joseph Rainey in South Carolina, which is crazy, becomes the first African-American to serve in the U.S. House of Representatives. Wait, what year? 1870, if you can believe that. In South Carolina. Wow. Yeah. What is that? Like six years after the war or something? Yeah. It's crazy. Um, 1961, Adolf Eichmann, speaking of the Holocaust, is found guilty of war crimes in Israel. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know who Adolf Eichmann was, he was one of the primary organizers of the Holocaust. He oversaw the mass deportation of hundreds of thousands of Jews in Nazi-occupied territories um, to the death camps. 
And after the defeat of Nazi Germany, he escaped to Argentina, where he actually lived until 1960. And that year, he was captured by agents from Mossad and deported to Israel to face trial. Um, his widely publicized trial concluded in 1962. He was found guilty of war crimes and executed by hanging. Great. Yep. Good riddance. Yeah. Um, 1961, Martin Luther King Jr. and 700 demonstrators are arrested in Albany during oh. a, after a demonstration. Um, this one I included because it relates to the Dan sisters, but Yay. 1962 and 1968, today the U.S. performs a nuclear test at a Nevada test site. Um, and obviously they were performing them all the time, but today had two of them. Fun. Yep, super fun. <clears throat> Not as yay. <sighs> yeah. I thought this one was funny. 1975, Sarah Jane Moore pled guilty to trying to kill the U.S. President Gerald Ford. Which, if any of you listen to My Favorite Murder, the parent talked about her a couple episodes ago. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Um, 2001, <laughs> Winona Ryder is arrested on shoplifting charges. Yes, she was. <laughs> Which I included because I love Winona Ryder and I think that's hilarious. Um, and 2017, Democrat Doug Jones defeats Republican Roy Moore, also pedophile, pedophile Roy, Roy Moore, Moore, for Alabama Senate state uh, seat in uh, an upset win marked by allegations of sexual misconduct against Moore. And he was the first Democrat to be elected um, in that seat since 1992 when it was turned Republican. Yay. Um, and then I got some births today. I didn't, I didn't put down any deaths because there weren't any that were interesting. Sure. 1915, Frank Sinatra's born. All right, old blue eyes. Yeah. Um, Probably and dad to Ronan Farrow. Definitely dad to Ronan Farrow. <laughs> Yikes. That, that man does not look a thing like Woody Allen, and he looks exactly like Frank Sinatra. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, 1940, uh, Dionne Warwick. Oh, yeah. She's a great singer. Mm-hmm. American singer Speaking and television of jazz. personality. Yeah. Yep. And uh, 1970, Jennifer Connelly. Oh. Who I love. And that's that. Lots of pretty blue-eyed people. Is she I mean, blue-eyed? Jennifer Connelly, yeah. No. Yeah. No. I think so. No. Somebody look this up. Google her. Definitely right. not brown. Fine. They're green. Whatever. Okay. Bl- I guess a blue-green. Blue-green. Yeah. Um, Deanna, tell me what you're excited about. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mercury retrograde is over? Yes, it is over. It's been over for about a week. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very excited for Mercury retrograde to be over because I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And I don't care whoever wants to make fun of me for taking too much stock in astrology. Uh, I take it with a grain of salt, but all I know is that I am a Virgo and Mercury is my planet. And every time Mercury goes retrograde, I am acutely aware of it. I literally, uh, Alex was here, we were having like a bunch of shit happen that is Mercury retrograde stuff. And I was like, did Mercury go fucking retrograde? And I looked at my phone and it was going retrograde the next day. And I was like, I feel it every time. I feel it. You, It's like, yeah, you get this sense that something just isn't right. Like something's just kind of out of whack. With communication and shit getting in your way. Short distance traveling is always 
fucked. Yeah. And I get super irritated, like way easier than usual. Which because is communication like, is is more frustrating. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's but you know. Also just the general holiday season. I'm excited to get a break from work. Because we're going to have our holiday hiatus. You are, you're going on a sort of hiatus too, right? Aren't you? I'm, As of December 1st, you're not, you're closed to queries. I'm closed to queries. Yes. Um, that doesn't which, mean you're not working, but. Right. But in if, fact, it's kind of like a catch up time in yeah, a way. Yeah. But we are, we're traveling, um, which will That's be right. nice. Yeah. We're going to go to a friend's wedding in Joshua Tree. That's going to be so nice. Yeah. But this isn't about what I'm excited about. Oh, I'm excited for the same things. Peppermint mochas and no, that's what basic excited white girl about. things. Um, no, but then I'll get to have some time in your apartment watching your cat. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Which is like a mini vacation. I'll leave you lots of uh, wine and goodies. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, it'll be nice to have a little bit of a, a break. I still have to figure out if I'm ever leaving at any point. Yeah. Um, I would like to go to California to see Alex, but my mom is going to be in Baltimore for an event and wants me to go be with her. It's going to be exciting. It's uh, the uh, Ultima Thula flyby or something. It's a so the space scientists are excited. They're taking photos of the Kuiper Belt. Maybe I speaking of things I know nothing, but it, it's like the first <laughs> photos they're going to be getting back from this flyby. And oh yeah, she was like, "You'll be one of the first people to see these pictures before the media even sees them. If you come, you'll meet Brian May. If you come," Ooh. and I'm like, "Oh yeah." Also, I get to spend time with my mom if I go, <laughs> which that is a good thing. But I want to like Alex has come here a lot lately, and I want to at least go say hi to California. Yeah. I feel you. What? I went over a lot. I'm just, I'm rambling. But anyway, I'm excited for the general end of 2018, beginning of 2019. That's when you're closer to 2020. Yeah. 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 Let's get out of this. Let's get out of psychotic. this. Psychotic. Terrible timeline. Yeah. Knock wood. Knock on wood. Oh my gosh. But anyway. Okay. Okay. Uh, don't forget, we have launched a Patreon. And if you want to help keep us running, because we have to pay for things like hosting and website and, you know, microphone maintenance, maintenance. oh, God, and um, yeah, general upkeep and whatnot. So if you want want to help keep the podcast going, um, be our backer. We would love you forever and ever. And that is not an exaggeration. Nope. Nope. Because we will. We need you. Yep. So that's patreon.com slash GWBB podcast. Find us on any and all social medias, uh, GWBB podcast. Shoot us an email, GWBB podcast at gmail.com. If you want to say hi. Yeah. We would or, like that. You know, correct us on something because that sure, sometimes just don't be an asshole about it. <laughs> no one has been an asshole thus far. No, just, not at all. Just saying. Not at all. But yes. Um, all right. Well. Peace out, witches. See ya next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Achoo. (laughs) All I want for Christmas. Achoo. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Good Witches, Bad Bitches. Thank you for listening. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Blueberry, and more. Basically anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Mm -hmm. If you like our podcast, it would be really helpful if you could please like and subscribe, rate and review, share with your friends on social media, word of mouth, Mm -hmm. all of that. 
It's great. Yes. And you can find us on Twitter at GWBB Podcast. Instagram is the same. And we are on Facebook under Good Witches, Bad Bitches Podcast. And hey, guess what? If you want to hear all of our episodes, they are all up at our website, GWBBpodcast.com. If you have a story about a woman in your life that you want to share with us and that you want us to share on our podcast at some point, you can email us at gwbbpodcast at gmail.com. Hey guys, you know what? If you like what you hear, maybe please consider a little bit of supporting us financially by visiting our tip jar. Um, The link is in the show notes. Every little bit helps. It just kind of makes it so that we can keep this going so that it has some longevity. So just think about it. See, See how you feel about it. Or you can support this podcast directly by buying us a coffee on our Ko-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> so that is ko-fi.com slash GWBB podcast. Um, coffee start at $3 because that's generally the price of a fancy coffee and it just helps us keep the ship going. Good Witches, Bad Bitches is produced by Moon Bounce and powered by Pine Boom, boom, boom. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening.